I almost feel like sometimes the fetishization I get is because I'm like a different type of Asian. I'm not that like twink bottom oh. Asian. I'm like a thick Asian. and welcome to Pill Talk, the daily's podcast about sex, dating, and all that's in between. I'm your host, Chrissy McManigal. Last week, we had Chelsea Langang on as our guest. With her, we had discussed emotional and physical abuse and committed relationships. In this episode, we continue talking about the aspects of dating, but with regards to the LGBTQ community. Joining us for today's episode is UW student and member Jonathan Nguyen. Hi, Christine. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. So, John, if you could give us a brief sort of overview about yourself as a person would you mind doing that as a person or as a person in relation to like relationships and dating with regarding to relationships in relationships and dating i would say that i feel like i have a more nuanced view of relationships and dating just because i kind of fit a different mold than most lgbtq people that are on this campus i would say that it is primarily more conventional white you know what i mean so for that purpose, I think that I have like a bit more of like, a, okay, so here are some kind of social issues that impact definitely like queer people of color, which are often unrepresented in the media or elsewhere. So it kind of, you know, gives people a broader, not broader, but more narrow perspective of just kind of like, what the fuck's going on with uh, LGBT dating that's mm-hmm. often not like shown. So um, you mentioned about this whole QPOC segment. How does UW represent that? Is Does UW represent more of this traditional, mainstream, white, slender, homosexual men? Or do we have more of a mixture that we can offer to other people? In my experience here, being here for about a year, I would say that queer people of color tend to stay in their own circles and then non-people um, of color who are queer tend to stay in their own circles as well. There is definitely a lot more diversity here than I would say in, like, other places. So thank God, you know, for that. But in terms of just, like, you know, the representation that we see, I think that it could be a bit more represented because I think that in places where there is, like, even a little bit more diversity than there are in other places, it's kind of hard to hold them accountable because they're already kind of, like, halfway there, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's to say, to, like, hold them accountable and call them out on, like, certain things, it's, like, too, it's a bit harder that way. And you mentioned briefly that these two groups kind of stay within their own circles. Why do you think that is? Just because I think that with any group of minorities anywhere in regards to not race, it's like still the politics and social issues regarding race still apply. Mm. Um, You know, like, obviously in real life, like, we can't contend that, like, white privilege exists and all that type of stuff. And I still think that the conflicts that arise in terms of racial issues still apply when it comes to the queer community, which oftentimes people are not as cued into. I would say that definitely for myself, at least in my experience, the majority of my friends who are queer are also people of color. We kind of have a bit more camaraderie in that sense because I think that definitely the queer experience as a person of color is way different than it is being a queer person who is not colored. So John, while you mentioned that your friends tend to be people who are also queer people of color as well, do you also date within these circles? For myself, I think that dating for me is not as specific because I just think that it would be a little bit much to just automatically say that white people are unable to be on the level that I am accustomed to in regards to, you know, people of color. 
obviously the lived experience is different, but to say that they are not interested or good people, you know, et cetera, mm-hmm. like that is a bit asinine on my part. And so I'd like to think of it as like a case by case basis. So I mean, like, I don't really feel like I need to be excluding anybody in that, even though like the friend circle that I tend to hang out with is more POC. In reality, I think that like the guys that I have talked to have been white, specifically because like I think on this campus, like there is abundance. Mm-hmm. But additionally, it's just that like as queer people of color, it's either you are very like, I will only date other queer people of color, or it's kind of like, I will only date white people because of like a colonialist mindset. With that, I think for myself, it's just whatever happens my way, I'm not going to say no to it mm-hmm. and just like kind of adventure out and see. Are there patterns, I would say? Yeah. But, you know, I'm just not going to go ahead and just outright say no on the basis of like anything in regards to something that a person cannot change. Okay. And meeting these various men, what are your personal favorite ways to meet men or to try and date? Do you prefer using hookup apps? Do you prefer just meeting them in real life? See, okay, so the thing about apps that I think that people slander far too often is just the fact that, like, yes, it is, like, such a sexualized space for queer people, you know, like, obviously the apps that we have are very intended, like, towards hookups, we have Grindr, we have Tinder, and stuff like that. It's not necessarily, like, the most, like, for relationships, but at the same time, like, online dating, I feel, is, like, it's quick, it's easier. It's Um, also somewhat liberating. I think so, definitely. Like, with online dating, it's like, we live in, like, you know, a space now where, like, we're constantly on the go. We have to keep on doing things, you know, especially, like, as college students. It's, like, it's kind of hard to just enter a space, and especially, like, you know, with, like, the prevalence of, like, of, like, understanding social anxiety that we're now, like, coming to with, like, the more recent trends in, like, our culture. I think that it's important to understand that, like, not everybody is cut out for just going out into public and Mm -hmm. being able to just be like, hi, you know what I mean? Sometimes, like, online dating can help out with that. For myself, I think that nothing is real until you step into the same room as a person because, of course, like, for me, my personality projects way differently via text than it does in person. So for myself, I like to meet in person, like, you know, quicker than more people may Mm -hmm. be accustomed to. But I think that if you are only limiting yourself to the people that are in, like, your direct line of sight, you know, so to speak, then you're missing out on so many people. Because for myself, like, I'm not necessarily finding that I'm able to meet guys, like, on this campus specifically. And so with the use of, like, Grindr and Tinder and stuff like that, it's, like, even a little bit further away, it's, like, these guys might be more accustomed to me than the guys that are just within, like, 300 feet. So to be able to, like, use apps even, like, be aware that they're out there. It's cool. I like that aspect of it. But, like I said, I just think that you got to get off the app at one point. You know okay. what I mean? you got to, like, meet them in person. you got to feel, like, you know, like... You can't only have an electronic relationship. Well, I mean, I think that goes into, like, a whole different topic of just, like, online relationships and then, like, you know, meeting them in person, stuff like that, which I'm, like, I support. I don't know if that's for me, but I, if somebody is doing that, then, like, 100%, like, in support of them doing that. But in the way that I like to date, it's very much just... Let's get off the app, like, as soon as possible. Mm. And I know that for some people, that's very forward. But I always like to, like, show that it's not about trying to hook up or nothing like that. It's just that I literally am a person that cannot be projected via text. Because I'm, like, I'm sassy. I'm very, like, in your face about it. And I can't be, like, hey, bitch, within, like, the first five minutes of meeting you. Yeah. In the way that, like, you might be able to tell from, like, you know what I... And so, and if you're able to vibe with that, you can vibe with that in person. But that's, like, so construed to figure out, like, how to, like, deal Mm -hmm. with that via text you know so for myself i think it's just about using the app to be aware of people and then like okay let's meet up okay let's see what the chemicals and shit like we're doing (laughs) yeah but there are definitely a significant amount of people who kind of shy away from using the apps 
do you think that the people who prefer meeting individuals in person they don't use apps because of the stigma that gay men have to sexualize everything i, I feel like by using the apps the people might think that they're enabling the stigma would you agree with that or see the thing about that is that i don't think it's inherently that like gay men are sexual which i feel but like is a lot people Not, who are yeah. but, uh, see um older people who may make assumptions and have stereotypes they have this image that all gay men just want to have sex they just have this concrete image that people today are trying to break away from i don't think that gay men or queer people in general should be acting in a way to try and destigmatize that sense because I just feel like if people have this image of like queer people to begin with in that sense that we're just like sexualized and that's just how they're gonna think because mm-hmm. like I think it's not that like queer people are innately like sexual more sexual than like straight people it's just that we don't have access to safe spaces that aren't sexual because that hasn't mm. been created yet yeah. you know what I mean so like the online spaces are definitely like a very like a very much a breeding ground for what people feel is taboo, like say like a large age disparities in between sexual partners, that quick exchange of like just pictures and sexting and all that type of stuff. Like to put a space online for queer people, of course it can be very sexual because that's also the same thing that applies to straight people as well. Yes, yes. I just think that with certain queer people kind of just being all like, oh, that's not for me, you know what I mean? I think that's fine for them to be all like, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. But to kind of say that it's just all like, oh, well, everybody who uses it is funny. No, definitely not. I think it's just the situation that, especially, like, young gay people that are, like, growing up and then already kind of having this image of, like, what they should be doing Mm. makes them more willing to, like, enter these spaces, even if that's not inherently what they want for themselves. Because I can already tell you that there are a lot more romantic people out there that than would care to admit because it's quick and easy and accessible to just become part of, like, hook of culture with these apps and everything mm-hmm. like that you know you just have to download it on your phone while it's a lot more intimidating and you know just a lot more effort you have to put into to be able to just go out and meet people especially there's no real safe space yes, for yes. people to just platonically be in a space together talk you know what i mean so like before we're able to allow you know young queer people and gay men to be friends when they feel so alone and like you know they're like coming out process or whatever mm-hmm. that may be we're allowing them to be sexual first because of these apps and everything that have become spaces for that. In terms of like people like, you know, saying that gay people are like this way, it's definitely because we're being shitholed into a situation where that's there's not very many options for us to interact without sexual connotation. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that there's obviously like fucked up shit that happens within, you know, like sexual spaces. Of course, that's with everywhere. To kind of just go ahead and say that we are only that is, like, a bit fucked up because I'm kind of just all like, okay, so for as many, like, pedophiliac issues or whatever with sexual apps in regards to, like, straight people, how many times is that happening with straight people? What you said about, like, queer people within the queer community who are still, like, shying away from it, I think you just need to take it as, like, a case-by-case issue because what you worked out for yourself and figuring out that that's not for you, some people haven't. And some people, and at the same time, some people might be okay with that. And that's totally fine if that's what they want for themselves. Just as long as, you know, they're not hurting nobody and everything like that. Like, that's fine. Just allow people the autonomy to be able to figure out, like, if they want to be sexual, if they want to do all this type mm-hmm. of stuff, then, you know. But at the same time, it's like, don't just automatically assume that it's because they have lost romance or stuff like that. Because people want it. Yeah, They just yeah. don't know how to get it yet. And I think that this applies in all situations. You take young high schoolers, for example we often turn to sex as one of the first ways to express any sort of affection. 
the idea of sex should not apply to only one certain sexual orientation. Exactly. These are universal trends that you can see pretty much anywhere. And I think one of the great things that these dating apps have to offer is meet people around you that you would have never met in in real life. Mm -hmm. But also, it's great for people who are so uncomfortable. A lot of people cannot handle social situations, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it was because of past emotional abuse, physical trauma. They have a really hard time putting themselves out there and interacting. Being in front of somebody makes you very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so great that these apps allow men to go out there and actually finally slowly inch their way into relationships. Yeah. There's definitely, I feel like it's always the flip side of coin. It's like there's definitely a lot to critique about the apps, especially because of just how it only is providing like a sexual space for people to inhabit rather than like a space that is, you know, for us to talk about our emotions and all this type of stuff, which might lead to them being like on the sexual apps. But I also think that it's just for the same purpose. It's like you also have to look at like what is good about these apps as well, too, because there's always like some positive benefits and everything like that. Like for people who are sexually liberated and that's what they want, like it's awesome for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just think that in the same way that we critique things, we also have to just be all like, okay, but like, you know, because our critiques come with bias. So, you know, in the way that like we might critique it, it might just work out some for somebody else. In order to like look at it objectively is the only way to figure out like, okay, the objective problems with it. This is how we figure out how to move from there. So shying away from dating apps, I think this would be a good idea to talk about. Being in relationships and dealing with somebody who has a mental illness or somebody who has emotional problems or social situation issues, mm-hmm. I feel like this is something that comes up more often in the gay community because of how like you were raised. You know, A lot of people have received abuse and so forth because they came mm-hmm. out as gay from their family or from their friends or from the community that they grew up in, whether it was conservative. And so have you had any experience having to deal with this? having to either date somebody who had issues or barriers or Mm -hmm. things that you had to deal with yourself. Just one thing I want to address is that I don't know the statistics on that, if it's like more so queer people struggle with mental illness and everything like that because of what you just said. So I don't know the statistics I would say mental illness. I would say emotional trauma. Emotional trauma. Sure. So, because I definitely think it's common for, you know, like queer people to have experienced like emotional trauma because, I mean, there's a different lived experience that we have to go through that heterosexual people sometimes don't have to. And so in regards to that, I think that there's definitely a sense that broken people want to be fixed by love and by relationships. I think that's very common is to look towards a relationship or dating or like a feeling of validation that comes from somebody liking them and stuff like that in order to kind of put a patch on that emotional trauma that's not been reconciled. I mean, that's definitely something that I have struggled with. That has been something that when I talk to, like, my queer friends, it's something that they have, you know, gone through as well. I kind of feel almost at this point it's like a rite of passage, you know, to try and, like, put, like, you know, like a band-aid on that boo-boo and everything with love and, like, that validation. Is it the healthiest? (laughs) Uh, Probably not. For myself, I think that with the emotional trauma and just, like, the things that I've gone through, because, I mean, for myself, I struggle with clinical depression, and that's something that I'm becoming more transparent about in my own journey. Something that I've been learning recently is that you don't have to be 100% okay yourself in order to necessarily love somebody else in the Mm. way that, like, we kind of preach, is that you have to love yourself before somebody else can love you, you know? And idealistically, I think that's, like, you know, great to insinuate that, you know, like, if you love yourself, then everything will work out fine. Because, I mean, obviously, like, it should. I think it's very idealistic to go ahead and say that, like, people are incapable of being relationships and, you know, like, actually, like, caring for somebody and having somebody care for them in the same respect with mental illness or anything like that, Mm -hmm. you know? I think, obviously, it's harder, but it doesn't make it impossible for somebody to be just as good of a partner. 
it might mm-hmm. actually also form a better relationship just being vulnerable explaining you know what you've gone through in the past yeah emotionally. yeah i don't because i think that we tend to think of ourselves as damaged because of emotional trauma it's definitely something that we need to work past but i don't think it's something that should discourage us from feeling like we deserve things mm. and in fact it's just like with how common like mental illness emotional trauma and all this type of stuff is with young people people in general i think it's just kind of asinine to assume that like we need to be loving ourselves and so confident all this type of stuff and have our shit together because nobody got their shit together nobody does Mm -hmm. i think that when it comes to queer people idealistically sure it would be like better if they were like both emotionally stable and like all this but that's not that's not the reality you know like everybody's going through some shit and i think that it's something that we need to think about a little bit more in the way that we, like, you know, share, like, these messages of just kind of just all, like, okay, like, be the best you that you can be because it's not bad for someone to help you get there because mm. I think that we think of it as, like, we have to be, like, self-sustaining and, like, the way that we achieve, like, the best version of ourselves possible and, like, you know, attaining but that, like, nobody stability. does that. Every, yeah, yeah. Everybody we, relies on friends or family or this is making others. Yeah, and I think that, you know, to... To say that like we can't enter relationships as emotionally damaged people is asinine and to, but I and I don't think that we should depend on emotional romantic relationships in order to fix us. While your partner can provide some things, you can't always be like you're supposed to fix me. Like it's yeah, that's not the ex- that's definitely not the expectation that we should have. But I also think that we shouldn't blame ourselves for being at a place emotionally that we're simply at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that we need to just be transparent about what we go through and all this type of stuff, and not feel ashamed about it. Because I think definitely there are issues with people entering relationships for that purpose and then not being transparent about what's going on with them emotionally and just all this type of stuff for fear that like you know that it would be an issue because I almost think that like you know we have this kind of like idealistic mindset that like we need to like enter relationships with best circumstances possible but like people have gone through shit people have done all this type of stuff like for myself I was talking to this guy in general who from the get-go was just letting me know about he has baggage Mm-hmm. and all this type of shit and I think that there's a lot of it that in some circumstances people would run away I talked to a few of my friends and they're kind of just all like bitch I would have been out of there within like he's telling you the shit like on the second day but for myself I'm like I appreciate that it's very mature being so mm-hmm. for like I have issues and whether or not you accept them I'll still have this problem I'm just, you know, being honest with you and explaining what is going on with you if we're going to pursue any sort of relationship. It's a very yeah. mature thing to do. I think, I think it's mature, and I also think that it's very helpful, definitely. And additionally, like, a lot of what he was saying was that, like, it's okay if you decide that you're, like, not in for this and everything. And I'm just all, like, you know, obviously that's somebody that has been through something to be all, like, me opening up and being vulnerable about something that is my reality. That's somebody that has the impression that if I open up like this to people, like, they will leave. And that's just so sad because, like, for myself, I know personally that, yeah, it lets me know what's happening, but, like, I myself am not going to leave just because of that. To be transparent about, like, the shit that we are going through from the get-go, I feel is very important. Like, yeah, it lets you know, like, what you're in for, but also, it's human. And so I kind of feel a little bit sad that, like, some people have the idea that, like, okay, like, if they were to, like, open up like that to me so soon, that they would just be like, I'm out. You know, and because I guess some people just don't have the patience for that. I get that. But Mm -hmm. for myself, I know where I come from. I know what I've been through. And I know that I would feel pretty fucking shitty too if, like, I let somebody know that and they immediately just all like, nope, I'm not in for that. 
I think with us, because we are this younger generation, we're more accepting of emotional baggage. Let's use my grandmother, for example. She'll always ask me, oh, what's their family situation? Do they have anything? I'll be like, yeah, well, this is going on. She's like, why do you want to date someone with baggage? And it's a very old school idea that there are people out there who have a clean slate. They have no issues. And the truth is, Mm -hmm. everybody has some sort of past relationship, baggage, divorced parents, whatever. Mm -hmm. Everybody has something. It's just that there was a time decades ago where people chose to hide it because it was almost more shameful. People aren't accepting of such basic human things. Yeah. I think there are definitely, like, no, like I think that we should definitely look at ourselves and feel like, knowing myself, I know that this situation is not right for me. And that comes with, like, taking, like, somebody's, like, emotional baggage, someone's financial baggage, and, like, all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of things. I think that's different. That's that's assessing a situation rather than saying, oh, yeah. you know, I'm not even going to yeah. consider it. So, yeah. And so, for some people, I think that to assess a situation and feel like that's not, that's not something that I can personally handle, like, I think that's fine. But I think to outright just feel, like baggage by is like it's sad Mm -hmm. that's how i feel at least because in my experience though it's like talking to this guy just the fact alone you have the courage to be able to say like listen i got all this fucked up shit within like a few days of like talking to me that already speaks to a level of emotional depth that i am so on board for because Mm -hmm. i would rather talk to with somebody who is like able to be vulnerable enough about like you know something that is very real that they're going through than somebody who's like yeah you know what i mean like it means that like you know they are like at an emotional level that i personally vibe with for one just getting to know him more it was just i already felt like yeah, like, he has emotional baggage and shit like that. But that's somebody that, like, has been through shit, somebody who's grown from this, mm-hmm. somebody who, like, has, like, a more worldly view because of it. And, like, I was finding that that was evident when I was talking with him more and more. Like, I was just all, like, yeah, like, he's de- he has depth, he has, like, all these type of things that I really vibe with, mm-hmm. you know? Not to say that people who are totally cool, like, mentally, like, you know, in all aspects of their life, like, don't have depth or anything like that. To more so and go ahead and go against that, like, grain of people being all, like, baggage just means trouble. No. They are not their baggage. They are not yeah, their problems. It doesn't define them. You know, in some instances, I would almost think that, like, it makes them a, a more suitable, like, it, I mean, depending on what you like. Like, for me, I feel like it was more suitable that, you know, he is the way that he is. And if he has baggage with it, like, I'm totally cool with that because mm-hmm. he is the person that he is still. I really appreciate and enjoy him, so I'm not going to just be like, bye. Yeah, in terms of just mental stability and everything like that, I guess I'm biased as well just because, like, I also come from, like, that background of having, you know, clinical depression and, like, all this other type of shit that I'm dealing with. So maybe I have, like, a more nuanced view that not everybody is as on board for because I I can't expect you to understand if you've never been through it either. Like, you know, for me, that's just how I feel. It's just that we, I feel like we got to destigmatize the idea that like it needs to be perfect because i think that is what you do when you get into a relationship is you work towards perfect mm-hmm. not i mean not perfect but like you work towards yeah. like a better relationship as a couple that can also benefit both as individuals and allow them to grow oh yeah definitely following this whole idea about like stigmas and stereotypes i feel like there's one that re- is really important still in the gay community and that's just the image that we've portrayed of what the standard is for a gay man you know Mm -hmm. if you look in movies and so forth the gay best friend is always this tall very attractive caucasian male and you know dresses fashionably is always in dolce and gabbana and the truth is that is that represents one very small slice of the pie and i feel like it's an issue that we you know that we have to deal with today especially you i feel like because you are not caucasian you are a vietnamese person you represent this whole other culture to the gay community that's mm-hmm. definitely underrepresented. Mm-hmm. 
I don't even think it's just race though. I think it's also just body image. Body image, yeah, body image, personality type, just like how queer you are. Just because like I think that the media representation of what a gay person is is very almost it's very palatable to straight people, very conventional almost. But the thing is that like being queer, I feel is it's rooted in like, you know, like struggle. It's rooted in like grit and like all this type of shit and freedom of expression. And so we see these gay males like in media and everything like that and they're very properly mm-hmm. dressed and what is considered like still conventional like you know like even maybe more like feminized or anything or something like that but then people like like are kind of like wait what the fuck like a man's like wearing like a queer man is wearing a dress for non-comedic purposes hmm. you know what i mean so mm-hmm. It's not even, so it's like, it's not just race, like from, because for myself, I wear whatever the fuck I want, mm-hmm. if, that, if that's a skirt, if that's like a dress and everything like that, like I will, and I have no qualms about that for myself, but definitely people are a bit kind of like, oh, like, you know, like, it's like, especially in this area, I think it's very like, okay, like, yeah, it's socially like acceptable, people don't really care that much in regards to that, but there's definitely like a misconstrued idea of what queer is, you know? It was a while before before people understood trans or understood, mm-hmm. like, you know, drag queens, all these other representations of queer culture and stuff like that. When it comes to the dating scene, in respect to just, like, what media representation is out there, and not to even, and to put it, like, to put it blatantly, like, gay boys, I feel, growing up, their first exposure to, like, gay males and, like, their sexuality is porn. Porn provides so, one of the worst. And yeah, and so what's in porn? It's like porn. You have. I have watched my fair share of gay porn, mm-hmm. and you just have same bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you have these men. You know, like they're tall, they're muscular. They're a lot of them are Caucasian, actually. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is, it provides this false image. And the truth is, men who do gay porn are usually not even gay. There's, a, there's definitely some. There's though. some, but the majority are not because men will take on these jobs because they need the money. And it's what's in demand right now, lesbian and gay porn. There are some gay men who do gay porn, but first videos that pop up, the popular ones, aren't a good representation. of. They provide mm-hmm. this false image of gay men and their bodies and their races. Yeah, because the thing is that the very, like, typical, like, porn is, it's, like, very, very masculine men who are, like, very, like, you know, buff and, like, tanned and, like, Mm -hmm. tall, dark, and handsome and, like, all this type of stuff with, like, very well endowed and everything like that. I don't think it's unreasonable for, you know, people to develop, like, a very, like, high sexual attraction to that because, I mean, like, if that's your first exposure and you're kind of like, this is porn, this is what it should look like and not, you know what I mean? I don't think I can necessarily blame somebody for developing an attraction to, like, white men, but then, like, as, like, and, like, especially, like, white men that look like that, and then as you grow up, like, you mature and you, like, get, like, a more, like, nuanced view or just even a broader view of just kind of, like, okay, like, this is what I actually like, because porn is obviously so much different than Mm -hmm. real life and what you're actually attracted to. As long as you can break or separate the fantasy from reality. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I think for some people, that's still definitely something that's perpetuated as, like, time goes on. Oh, definitely. for, like, people of color, it's, like, it's still, like, for queer people of color, it's still, like, a thing of, like, I don't see myself represented. So, like, the way that they view, like, their sexual partners or, like, romantic partners, like, in real life is definitely going to be different than just, like, what's in porn. Mm -hmm. Well, I think for porn, actually, with the whole racial aspect, there's a whole other argument that can be made that 
instead of you know ha um, having you know going to lesbian or gay categories and seeing um, people of color represented, instead you have them fetishized in a whole. Definitely, other definitely, like, because you look at the categories. You have Latina, mm. you have Japanese, you have Chinese, you have African American. They are all separated by race rather than just putting them straight in a racial gay lesbian. It they're yeah. they're now put into this whole other category because they are mm -hmm. fetishized. Mm -hmm. And I think definitely because like. Um, and the same shit applies to, like, gay porn. It's, like, you know, like, how many times have you seen, like, a interracial, like, black and white, like, mm -hmm. gay, like gay couple in porn, and it's, like, Doug, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then, like, like, innocent little white boy or something like that, like, twink bottom and stuff like that. It's, like, it's very, like, it sets, like, a precedent of, like, what this expectation for a person should be sexually so that it, like, you know, and, like, it's so perpetuated because the thing is that with, like, the representation of POC in porn, it's still, like, a very, like, pa like I said, palatable mm -hmm. version, you know what I mean? Because, like, what do we have? We have this concept that, like, black men need to be tops at all times, that they all have, like, big penises, and that they're, like, very, like, you know, sexually aggressive and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. With Asians in porn, it's, like, either, like, they still have to be muscular or they have to be very, like, effeminate and, like, twinky and, like, very, like, bottom and everything like that. Like, Latino men, I find that it's still a lot of times, like, they have to be white passing, Mm-hmm. You know, and so most of them um have their skin lightened, have almost yeah, their body you know, hair removed. Yeah, so there's like a lot of aspects of like POC men, and like we don't look like that all the goddamn time. I know, but then like white men look at that, they find that it's hot, or not even just white men. It's just like any man looks at that, thinks that that's what it needs to be, and then makes that judgment based upon. I have definitely had my fair share of fetishization by people who are like, oh, like you're. Asian, you know. So, as in, like, people will approach you because be you're the Asian. Apps, be the apps, yeah, definitely. There's, like, a weird thing about that because I am not the type of, like, Asian guy that is represented in porn or just, like, in general. I am bigger. I'm, con like, considered, like, thicker and everything like that. I'm not super submissive. You're also not this my... light-skinned Asian that we yeah, see. Yeah, I'm, like, darker skinned. I'm Southeast Asian, you know. I almost feel like sometimes the fetishization I get is because I'm, like, a different type of Asian. I'm not that, like, twink bottom oh. Asian. I'm, like, a thick Asian. I'm, like, you know what I mean? So, but, like, I'm still Asian, though, so I'll still be a bottom, and I'll still be submissive, and I'll still call you daddy and shit like that. But, like, I'm, like, a thick one. So, like, I have a butt. There's, like, this, like, like I've had that, like, a few times, and it's kind of weird for me because I'm kind of so, like, so, you know, when men approach you about this, what do you do about it? Do you go out with these men? Honestly, like... Because it's to, for the experience, or do you shy away? See, because, and the thing is that, like, when it comes to just hookups, like, here's the thing. I don't like the idea that someone would only want to have sex with me because I fit, like, a certain category Mold. of fantasy. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a little bit much. Because I think that good sex involves mutual trust and, like, respect mm. on both parties. You know what I mean? And so if I'm there as, like, your blow-up doll Asian boy to, like, fulfill, like, your sexual fantasy that you're fucking, like, this big booty Asian boy yeah. or whatever, then obviously, like, I'm kind of like, am I going to get off? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, I would hope. So, no, I haven't gone out with, like, gotten with, like, guys who are very, ooh, like, you, like, you thick. You, like, mm -hmm. all this. If that's, like, how you open up, it's just all like, oh, you thick. We're like, you know, like, I legitimately had, like, a guy that was all like, oh, I like how chunky you are. I was like, bitch. First of all, how was that a compliment? <laughs> to, like, open up with just all like, I like how chunky you are. I'm just all like, I didn't realize I was chunky before this. I knew I was bigger, but damn. Chunky? That's, like, what you call, like. Soup. Soup, right? I was like, <laughs> fuck. 
for myself, like, I just wouldn't feel comfortable doing that because then, like, I don't know what the fuck would happen, like, in there, in the bedroom. Because then, additionally, it's kind of like, there's an expectation of what I have there's to meet. There's an expectation. Also, it's a very yeah. aggressive approach. Yeah. If, you're that, if you're that aggressive just through talking, how aggressive can you be in a bedroom? It's You get into this very, like... I just would not feel safe. You wouldn't feel I safe. I would not feel safe, and I would just, like, be, like, nervous the entire time. I feel like Asians get fetishized so much, though. Like, obviously, a lot of racial minorities do, but the Asians get fetishized in all aspects. You have, you know, the, the, the gay aspect... You have it in, like, in, you know... See, but the thing is that, like, I would actually disagree with Asians being highly fetishized in, like, the queer community. In the queer community? Okay. Like, more... Okay, no, I can't say queer community because I can't speak on behalf of all of us, but I think, like, in my experience, like, especially with, like, gay males, it's, like... I think it's not... I think it's very reasonable to say it out loud that Asian men are not seen as sexy. If you look at, like, mainstream media... And we, through, through what point of view? Through straight people, through the way the because, straight women... Is the it because the, the Asian standard of beauty right now is more androgynous? See, it's not as... The masculinity like, isn't as, like, up in your face, you know, so forth. Yeah, because, like, we're not super, like, considered masculine. I am not very masculine. I will own that. But that's just because that's me. That's not because I'm Asian. But also, masculinity is very... The definition varies so much. So I feel like that's a very, sure, odd, yeah. it's a very odd area. It's just that, you know, like, you talk with, like, a lot of, like, people. And, like, it's, like, masculinity is, like, a very, like, highly priced trait when you're thinking about, like, what type of, like, man that you want to be with because of, like, mm. the way that, like, we're great. Like, we're just, like, ooh, like, I want a man. Mm. And so, like, typically we find that in Caucasian men. We find that in black and Latino men. The way that Asian men are treated... And, like, from what I see, like, in, like, media, like, we're always the quirky computer They're, science yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. The new Spider-Man movie. Like, the, de- the like the best friend is Filipino, and he's, like, this big guy. Mm-hmm. He's bigger and everything like that. And he's, like, the comedic, the, like, you the know. The comedic like, relief. Yeah, the comedic relief. He's not an everyman. He's not, like, the guy that, like, everybody's going to be like, well, I want to get with that. You know what I mean? And that's represented in the Spider-Man yeah. movie. He doesn't get women. No one really mm, pays attention yeah. to him. So there's, and there's, so there's that representation of just, like, you know, them being kind of, like, funny and then there's also, like, I don't know, the dude that's in Hawaii Five O, Like, that one, like, Asian guy that is very, that, like, he, he fits, like, the very specific... He had to be, like, everything that a Caucasian man has to be in order to even be considered... But like, Asian. Sexy yeah. For, yeah. for an Asian. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's muscular. He's, like, got, like, you know, like, a very, like, chisel-defined bone structure that, like, you know, most Asian His guys His eyes like, aren't have. nearly as hooded or anything. Yeah, angular. you know what I mean? His, he's paler, you know? Mm-hmm. He's still fit, you know what I mean? Facial hair. Yeah. You know, like, all this type of stuff. So you have to either be everything that, you know, a Caucasian or, like, you know, like, another race of man has to be in order to be even considered sexy, or you're just, like, the comic relief. That's not considered masculine. The the Asian men that are seen in porn generally are not considered They're masculine. They're seen as more... They're seen as feminine, sub- like, Submissive. You know, submissive and everything like that. Asian men are just not seen as sexy. Asian men are not nuanced and everything and like, then you say same thing about asian women very how often do we see guys going oh you know she's hot it's mostly oh look how cute she is i am asian as well my entire life i've been called cute and it has gone to a point where i start i slowly go crazy because mm-hmm. everything about us is like we're assumed to be cute and so forth men date us because we have this cute like lolliness to us and it's this idea that like you'll be submissive Yes, and the truth is, how many of us actually are like that? I am certainly not submissive. I am very outspoken. I'm quite out there. I'm Mm -hmm. quite in your face. I don't fit this mold. What surprises me is I don't fit this mold, and yet men will still still try and contact me because of fulfilling the Asian fetish. Yeah. 
it is a very close-minded, very immature point of view. I feel like that is, in no way is that usually reality. How mm -hmm. Most of us don't want to participate in that or enjoy being fetishized like that, yeah. knowing that people are interested in us just just because of this so this fake image. Yeah, I think it's, because I think it's, like, definitely rare that, like, people are generally attracted to, I think for my case, like, Asian men for, like, genuine attraction rather than, like, an idea of, like, what we are supposed to be. Like I said, like, the guy that I was talking before, like, he specifically said that he was more so attracted to POC men. Hmm. And so at first I looked at that and I was kind of like, mm, let's see about this. But then... As Did he explain why he was interested in other races? Um, we didn't really get into that. I don't know. I think I was just like always just like a bit surprised because um when he would compliment my appearance, it was never about like he never said anything about that you're Asian or anything that that would like insinuate. So how that. would he compliment you then? It would just be about like my actual features. It wouldn't oh. be anything that like race was never like caught up in that. So that's it just felt like... He was complimenting Jonathan rather than complimenting Yeah, Asian. yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, so, I think that for that purpose, like, I kind of was just all like, okay, like, the whole POC thing that he was talking about earlier, like, it's, like, a non-issue. Mm -hmm. I haven't experienced very many times that, like, I feel like I've talked to a guy who is, like, interested in me, and then, like, I just happen to be Asian, and, like, that's not even an issue for them. Hmm. But it's, like, I'm being fetishized for being a kind of, like, different Asian for me, I feel like dating is a bit more, like, different than, like, hooking up, you know, mm -hmm, obviously. Definitely. When it comes to, like, dating and everything, I don't have super much experience. with. There's a lot of pressure that's put upon your physical appearance. Yeah. And so I'm not the common I, standard of beauty. Like, I'm not Caucasian. I'm not white passing. I'm reasonably darker skinned. I'm bigger. I'm shorter. I dress alternatively. I think it said something that I was so astounded by the fact that it seemed like this guy was genuinely attracted to me, despite all of that, in a way, because, like, you know, like, what I feel like people are force-fed about, like, the idea of, like, what Asian men are. I think I have never really felt sexy or, like, attractive and stuff mm -hmm. like that because of that. Just with, like, talking about, like, Asian men in general, I think that it's, I think it's important to understand that, like, Asian men in the queer community have a way different experience than black men and Latino men and everything like that. Like, it's all still so important, but I think it's also very different. People don't realize that all the time because I think that there's, like, a lot to be said on that. Yeah, you know, I can relate to a few aspects that you're talking about. Like, I've only had two very long-term relationships, and the mm -hmm. first one, I was in high school. So, you know, it was pretty, you know, I want to say immature, but, you know, I, we were naive, and there was that much seriousness to it. Mm -hmm. But then on my other long-term relationship, was when I was in college, he had a thing for Asians. I'll put it lightly. My friend saw him the other day after we broke up, and he was with other Asian women. I would call him out on his fetish, and he would be very upset by it. But the entire time while we were dating, he would compliment me a lot on my looks. But it was never about like the Christine uniqueness of my looks. It was always about the Asianness of my looks. He'd compliment my nose, the shape of my mouth, my hair. So my hair is relatively Asian. He would compliment those aspects. And then uh, I would be like, well, what about, you know, my height or my long legs? I have very long legs. He's like, I'd rather wish you were more petite. Fitting this stereotype, mm. this Asian, because I'm not 100% Asian, I do drift a bit away from the Asian standard look. Mm -hmm. I'm very tall for a woman. I have wider hips and so forth. I never really felt respected enough, even though we... That's the thing, yeah. Like, yeah, I, we weren't hooking up, we were dating, but I still never felt properly respected. Yeah, that's the thing is that, like... Because I am fine with somebody 
when somebody says that they are not interested in somebody on the basis of like a of like a race or something, or they are solely interested on somebody on the basis of race, I feel like there's like a not a respect for the actual person there. Yes, you which become was, objectified. Yeah, which was different than what I was feeling with this guy because I mm-hmm. still, at the end of the day, felt respected and that I was just like, that's and like sure, like if I'm like a person of color, then that's just an added bonus. But like he likes me for me. If he likes the Jonathan aspects that are very unique, I think yeah. that's a bonus. Yeah, and that's the thing though is that like. It fucking sucks because you can't tell people with like, with like racial fetishes shit about how it's problematic and shit. They they're like, like oh, it's a preference. It's a preference. I'm just like, okay, also, first, yeah. Oh god, like so yeah, they're talking about oh it's a preference, but also they're like, but I'm not being racist. You kind of are a little bit. Nobody pops out the womb being all like, I only like white men. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know what I mean? Like, you are being ingrained by social cues and standards to like a certain thing and everything like that. I think that's, that's a fantastic way to put it. So, this ex-boyfriend who loved Asians, he came from a very conservative background. In his household, his father was, like, the head of the household. His mother could not say anything in regards to, to even have a disagreement or to have a conversation. Uh-huh. She had to follow his point of view. And so I think that's why he turned to Asians, because... He had this fake mentality that all Asian women submit to their husbands, and therefore mm-hmm. he found that attractive because he was raised based off of how his parents acted in front of him. Mm-hmm. And I, t- I totally agree with like what you're talking about. Nobody is just born thinking, "Oh, I only want Asian pussy." Like, no, that's not how it goes. Mm-hmm. Y- you are somehow taught or molded in a way. To expect somebody to act upon like a standard expectation that has been taught to you is racist. Mm-hmm. It's assuming that a person is going to act a specific way on the basis of, like, their race and, like, in what way is that not... You know, they argue that they're being not racist by being multiracial, but the fact is, is that they're just promoting these stereotypes that we've been trying to it's break damaging. down. It's damaging. It's damaging. It's, like, it's not... Because they don't see it that it's, like, a, there's, like, a lack of respect there. They don't see that there's, like, a mm-hmm. lack of... You know what I mean? Like, they don't see that it's objectifying. There's the difference of, like, people, like, specifically liking, like, a certain race because, like, they think it's, like, sexy because they're acting, like, a certain way. And that's also another thing for somebody to be like, oh, I would never, mm-hmm. based upon those certain stereotypes. Because, like, the biggest, because the biggest argument I've always heard is this just like, so what if someone doesn't want to fuck you? Get over it. It's like, oh my no, God. because that factors into the way that they treat you on, like, a, on a human basis. Definitely. I call bullshit when somebody's just like, okay, so I don't want to fuck an Asian guy, but, like, I'm not going to treat Asian people differently. Like, oh, bitch, like, you totally do. I, like, behind closed doors, I definitely know that there's, like, a certain aspect when, like, you're making fun of, like, Asian people or, like, quote-unquote Orientals or, like, you know, your mindset. You know what I mean? Like, the way that you view a person, like, sexually, I Mm -hmm. totally believe factors into the way that you view them as, like, a human being. Definitely. Because if you are so quick to stereotype them sexually based upon... Like, you know, all this shit. Then what's to say that you don't stereotype them based upon, like, things that are not sexual? Mm -hmm. If you don't see me as, like, a sexy Asian man, then what also is saying that you just think of me as just keep your head down low, smart, intelligent, you know? Mm -hmm. But, like, also at the same time, like, if I was not speaking perfect English, all of a sudden, like, I'm a fucking gook. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, like, chinky or, like, you know, like, all this other type of shit. Yeah, I call bullshit when people are just all, like, oh, it's not that bad, like... No, because then that lack of respect, I think, translates to so many other areas. Mm-hmm. And then you're just basically, by doing it, you're just enabling them as well. Yeah, and like, it's, and it's sad because like, there's definitely a prevalence, I feel, of gay Asian men that will specifically go for like white men. 
I don't know if it's because they want to like absorb that privilege to the bubble or something. <laughs> but, like... I think it's a little bit about how a lot of Asian countries do try to westernize themselves. Yes, westernize themselves, yeah. It's, but it's just sad. I think it's sad. Well, that's everything we had for today. This was Pill Talk. Our guest today was Jonathan Nguyen. Jonathan, thank you for coming today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. If you guys have any questions or would like to hear certain topics, please email us at podcast at dailyudub.com. This has been Pill Talk with Christina McManigal.